You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Today, we are heading out west. We're heading out west to Washington, specifically. And joining us to help with this conversation is Matt Wilson, statewide waterfowl specialist for Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. And Matt is going to talk with us about a variety of things related to waterfowl in the state of Washington. So, Matt, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's, I can tell you already that this is a, one of those episodes where I'm going to have to be, I'll have to pay attention to my to my words. We have a lot of W's going on here. We have Matt Wilson going to be talking about waterfowl in Washington. So not uh, maybe some sort of a tongue twister that we might get into here every now and then, but uh, we'll do the best we can. And so at, at this point, Matt, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, tell us what Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you do for the state of Washington. Yeah. Hi. As you said, yeah, there is a tongue twister. My my official title is I work with the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife in the waterfowl section as the statewide waterfowl specialist. And so basically what all that means is I deal with the, uh, the banding program for waterfowl and habitat development and restoration of wetlands throughout the state using our uh, state duck stamp program, which is part of the... Uh, a purchase required to hunt migratory birds in the state of Washington. Um, my background is I have a bachelor's in fish and wildlife from Utah State University, where I uh, grew up, and a master's degree in avian science from the University of California, Davis. Um, altogether, I guess I could say I have about 20 years of work experience in waterfowl, you know, ranging from the breeding grounds and the prey potholes of the Dakotas, the boreal forest of northern Canada. I worked in the wintering and migratory marvel that is the Central Valley of California, as well as uh, sea duck migration along the coastal waters of Baja, Mexico through Southeast Alaska. So pretty varied work experience. Um, and I also have a background with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for a number of years before I came to Washington State. And I worked on refuges there in the wetland habitat development and restoration for the most part. So pretty varied background, like a lot of people in my line of work. Sure. Thank you for that. And Matt, it's, it's just now clicking with me when, you know, whenever you said you, you would, you went to school at the University of California, Davis, you, you studied under Dr. John Eady, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And you and I have actually had some email exchanges somewhere along the line, I think maybe last year. So, um, talking about some rice issues or, or rice data or something of that nature. Hearing you say that reminded me that we have encountered one another, at least virtually somewhere along the line. So it's good to, to it's good to talk with you. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's a small world for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're here, uh, in early October, and we're 
we're using the podcast here this time of year to go around and talk with people from different parts of the country. Everybody's getting fired up about the hunting season. It's right around the corner. And, you know, we are, uh, we, we wanted to visit with some folks out West. Um, and, and so that's kind of why we're talking with you and we wanted to speak about what's happening in Washington. And one thing we wanted to, that I wanted to do right off the bat though, is, and some people may not know this, certainly people in the, in the Eastern U.S. may not think of Washington state as an area that produces ducks. So that's the first thing that I wanted to talk about because Washington in fact does have a, a quite respectable population of breeding ducks. So let's start there, Matt. Tell us, for, for, for people that may not be familiar with breeding waterfowl habitats in, in Washington, uh, where are they and what kind of habitats are we thinking about? It's certainly not the prairie pothole region, but when you look at the state of Washington, where are the breeding waterfowl habitats and what do they generally consist of? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a very good question. Uh, Washington State's uh, incredibly interesting because it has a highly variable uh, degree of habitats throughout the state, in large part because the state is divided by the Cascade Mountains. So sort of the third, a third of the state is in the western part of the Cascades. So that's your, your Seattle, your Olympic Peninsula, your areas that receive a lot of rainfall. And then about two thirds of the state on the east side of the Cascade Mountains are characterized, you know, Eastern Washington, sort of called, and then it's, it's characterized by these arid environments. So, so really on the West side, you're looking at sort of a wet forested riverine system, you know, in a lot of places characterized by oxbows, small discrete, discrete ponds and wetlands that you, you might not even notice when you're driving through areas and some larger, mostly managed uh, wetland complexes near the coast and some that are in sort of these alluvial inland valleys, um, that are heavily farmed and provide a lot of uh, breeding habitat for birds on the west side. And a lot of those also occur um, adjacent to uh, two rivers over there. So that means in that area, you're looking at sort of cavity nesting ducks like wood ducks, hooded mergansers. They take advantage of those habitats as well as your mallards, some teal and very occasional ringnecks that like those small isolated, you know, ponds, even up into the Cascades where you have a lot of uh, heavy moisture. Um the eastern half of Washington, as I said, is much more arid and open, so it it ha it lacks that timber cover for most of it. But it's also characterized by these large rivers that twist and wind throughout the region, like the Snake River and the Columbia River. And it also has significant agriculture devel development that has led to an extensive irrigation network, particularly in the central part of the state where I live. Um, so habitats vary a fair amount in that some regions have these real seasonal semi-permanent potholes, not unlike the Dakotas, as well as small permanent emergent wetlands and waterfowl to like to take advantage of those and the lakes and reservoirs created by the irrigation and the uplands surrounding those major river systems. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a little hard to, to wrap your head around it until you actually experience it and that there's yeah highly variable uh, habitats throughout the state for nesting birds. And there, there are locations with small creeks that wander through vast grazing areas that provide nesting cover for cinnamon teal as well as mallards. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty impressive. It sounds quite diverse. When we look across those, those areas, which ones, which ones are going to be responsible for the majority of your breeding waterfowl populations? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. So we've been trying to assess that actually more recently, because that's, 
that is something that we have struggled to address as a lot of a lot of waterfowl researchers have we haven't been able to address like where are we producing birds and what is our most productive habitat because like a lot of states particularly in the west we've had significant uh you know, development and increases in population in the last couple of decades and increasing agricultural pressures. So Eastern Washington, we see a lot of production along the creeks and the rivers and in agricultural lands that are adjacent to these wet areas. But we also see pretty good production in the pothole areas. And those are those isolated places in sort of the north central part of the state. And then far Eastern Washington, we do have production in the, uh, what we call the channeled scablands, which is this sort of highly arid, rocky region of the state that has pockets of water, tiny little wetlands that do produce mallards. Um, so yeah, so we see, we don't see large concentrations of breeding birds for the most part in Washington. What we see is these really dispersed, low level breeding throughout the state with uh, very few locations that actually concentrate large production areas. And that's something we're trying to figure out how to improve throughout the state. Okay. Well, this is helpful for me because I, I know you, uh, I know your state conducts surveys annually. I, I don't know how long they've been conducting them, but you conduct surveys to estimate the breeding waterfowl population in your state. And so what it sounds like is that the the distribution of the birds, of the breeding ducks is, is fairly uniform. I'm, I'm sure there are some pockets that are where you have uh, higher densities, but for the most parts, it, it sounds kind of like it's, they're fairly evenly distributed across those habitats. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that, that's a fair assessment for, like you said, certain locali- localities of the state. Since, our, since when we do fly these surveys, which you do the spring aerial survey, the breeding bird survey, we call it the BPOP in Western Washington for the last week of April. And then we start Eastern Washington in, in early May. And uh, that can take about two weeks to three weeks, depending on weather and other conditions. Um, usually see in Western Washington, you know, even though we have drier years and wetter years, you know, a lot of your wet areas are maintained year to year, a little more consistently. So the breeding there, it's it's predictable where your breeding birds are going to be because we've been conducting these surveys for a number of years. In the last 10 to 15 years, they've been conducted by helicopter with a rigorous sort of uh, transect that we've been transect system that we've been using uh, to produce those numbers. In Eastern Washington, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. I've been flying these surveys for six years now, and highly variable year to year depending on how much snowfall we get in the mountains and how much rain we receive in the mountains and how that water is dispersed across the landscape in the irrigated sections. So when there's when there's a really wet year in the mountains and we have good irrigation water, there's a lot more dis- distributed breeding in those areas. And then other parts of the state, like when you get out towards Spokane, which is near the very eastern border, you actually get into uh, wheat fields that are mostly rainfall irrigated. So they're not irrigated through any sort of canal system. So even if you have a drier part of the central of the state, once you get further east, you run into some more moisture and you can have pretty good production consistently in places there as well. But yeah, it's driven largely by our rainfall in the eastern part of the state and irrigation water from the rain, from the snow and the western half of the state. You know, it's always wet over there, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah. That, that I've been out there a couple of times and that's my experience as well. And so within that 
population of breeding ducks? Are mallards the number one breeder, the number one species there, the most abundant species that you have? Yeah, that's right. So, so over the last 10 years, our estimates, you know, are, the mallard always comes to the top, um, <clears throat> you know, followed sort of by the, you know, we see some gadwall, we see some American widgeon, some green wing teal, and in eastern Washington, pretty good numbers of cinnamon teal. And then just sort of a smattering of everything else in eastern Washington. The interesting thing is western Washington during our breeding bird surveys over the last 10 years, you know, there's eight or 10 species that show up, but there's a dozen that we commonly look for that don't show up at all. Like we don't, we don't count any northern pintails or redheads or golden eyes or anything like that on the west half of the state, while we will find a fair number of those on the east side of the state. So there is some deviation and how the birds disperse across these landscapes, just depending on the habitat and what part of the flyway they're going to go breed in. Now, we're not talking about one or two million breeding ducks in the state, but nevertheless, it is, based on my reading here, it is a a fairly sizable population. I think the the long-term average for, maybe it was just, maybe it was total ducks breeding in the state of Washington. The long-term average was somewhere around 200,000 birds. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's right. From about 2010 through 2019, yeah, our long-term average for total ducks is close to 200,000 estimated breeding birds with our, with our mallards making up about 90 thousand of that. So there, yeah, they're, they're definitely our, our big breeding bird here. And then, yeah, your, your top two after that might be gadwall and American green wing teal, you know, followed with a, a variety of other stuff that we don't, we don't necessarily see the results of that breeding activity on the land, but we certainly count them in the breeding bird survey. Yeah. Well, this is really cool information um, because like I said, a lot of people may not know that Washington has that, that uh, an appreciable breeding population of ducks. And I'm going to guess, and you tell me if this is correct, but I'm going to guess that that population of breeders, I, I know you get migrants in from, from the prairies and from Alaska, but I'm going to guess that those local breeders do contribute um, appreciably to, to some of your harvest. And I, I, would, I would imagine maybe they're more important in the early harvest. Is that going to hold true uh, for your state? Yeah. So that, yeah. So that's a classic you know, question that we receive a lot. I mean, we have a, we have a 107 day season here in Washington. So we hunt from the middle of October up to the last Sunday in January. And, you know, I often hear, and I, I used to think this way myself when I first got here, you know, the contribution of locally banded mallards. So if we banned a mallard in Washington state, we recover 80% of those birds in the state, only about 12% or so showing up in Oregon, 5% make it down to California. So, so basically if we breed a bird here, most of them are being harvested here. That doesn't mean the year was banded necessarily, but it is being harvested here. So they're a huge contributor to, you know, people's success in harvesting mallards in this state. Uh, the interesting thing is we have looked at the banding data recently and you know, that harvest is pretty consistent throughout the season. So we are harvesting locally banded birds from day one till day 107 pretty consistently. So they're not leaving the state for the most part. They're getting harvested here. So we grow them, we harvest them, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Now I wanted to, I wanted to, to clarify something. I think um, I want to make sure I understood this correctly. So of the birds that you banned in the state of Washington, and then that get harvested, 80% of those that are harvested, 
uh, occur in Washington, right? Like, it's no, we're not saying that 80% of the birds that you ban get harvested. It's 80% of those that are harvested that had been banded in Washington are harvested in the state of Washington, right? Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah, so yeah, so we're yeah harvesting of the of the harvested birds that are banded. Yeah, 80% of those came from Washington state. So it, it shows you the importance of locally produced birds here. But the, the caveat to that to, to think about, yeah, we, we have a good production value in the state and we do produce some measure of, of mallards. I mean, most of this data comes from mallard banding, right? So we, we produce a fair number of mallards that contribute to Washington. But we also know from some of this data that of our harvested birds in Washington, overall waterfowl harvest, if you're looking at ducks, Washington's only contributing nine to 10% of someone's bag over the season. So they're important. We shoot our local birds, but we're not necessarily shooting, you know, we're obviously not shooting just locally produced birds because 90% of the birds that are harvested here that are banded are coming from out of state. Yeah. And that's going to be, uh, th those birds are going to be coming from Alaska and Alberta primarily. Those are the two. And, and then of course the Western boreal forest, those are the big contributors to your birds. Yeah. So when we look at the harvest in Washington, again, it's that, it's that divide from the Cascade Mountains when you're in the western half of the state. You're primarily harvesting birds from Alaska and British Columbia and from Washington. And then the eastern half of the state, you're primarily harvesting birds from, you know, the Alberta region. There is obviously some crossover, but if you were to analyze all the banding data for the last 20 years, it's going to be a pretty clear division on where those birds are coming from because, you know, banding operations for mallards and pintails in both of those locations give us pretty clear divisions along you and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. On that cascade crest. Well, Matt, let's move on here to talk about what we can about the breeding habitat conditions from this summer. I'm gonna. Well, let me just ask you: Were you were you you all able to conduct your surveys this year, or were you like the Fish and Wildlife Service and all the other entities, most of the other entities that had to kind of um, cancel those efforts this year? Yeah, unfortunately, our efforts were canceled, uh, much like most everybody else due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, Washington State, as people know, was, was hit early with early cases. And in fact, my agency, the Department of Fish and Wildlife, was really proactive in that they actually shut us down and sent us home to work from home as a keyboard biologist, even before the state governor, you know, sent us home. So, so yeah, we did not conduct our breeding bird survey or on the ground surveys. None of that stuff occurred, unfortunately. So it's a big hole in our, in our data set, obviously. Are you able to glean anything about likely habitat conditions, what the birds may have encountered based on what you know, or what you've heard about um, snow cover or snowpack from this past winter? Do you have any insight? Like what would, what are you telling your, your Washington hunters right now, uh, in terms of how the breeding habitat conditions shaped up this summer as best you could, uh, you can understand them. Yeah. So 
that we have a really robust system of uh, snow depth gauges throughout the Cascades and and water sites, you know, due to the agriculture and because it's so important on the west side to know what kind of rainfall you have. And, and rain conditions and snow conditions were at or near average throughout most of the state. And certainly what I've seen since I've been able to get out and do some field work more recently a lot of the conditions on the ground look at least as good as last year, which was a pretty good year. Um, so conditions look fairly good on the ground. Anecdotally, from what I heard and what I saw myself early on is, you know, Washington State closed state parks. There was no golfing. You know, you couldn't go on the wildlife areas for several six to eight weeks there, depending on where you were. And I heard from a lot of people and I saw that Canada geese did really well. They seem to be up a fair amount because they had, yeah, they weren't disturbed on a lot of their sort of traditional nesting grounds. So they, they are even uh, more abundant than they usually are. And we, we did manage to pull off our brood surveys. So in July throughout the state, we do a brood survey and, you know, it's vehicle based observations with a spotting scope. And it, it's, it's a very broad index, but it indicated to us that we had at least as good a production as we've had the last couple of years, possibly up a little bit just to, due to like reduced human disturbance in some of these nesting areas, fewer boats on the water, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I would say it's going to be, you know, anecdotally, the breeding habitat conditions and population numbers are, you know, within 5% of, of most recent years. Well, that's good to hear. What about any kind of um, what we call pre-season, pre-hunting season banding? Were you able to, to uh, ramp that back up? I, I know some of the other state and federal agencies have have been successful in getting out i mean and doing some banding this year they haven't been able to necessarily go go back to the places they normally go they've had to adjust their their banding um locations to some extent have y'all been able to do any of your banding this fall yeah so fortunately we have been able to get out in fact we're still we're still conducting our mallard banding program right now which will wrap up here in a couple of weeks because our youth season our first youth hunt in eastern washington is october 3rd so we're going to continue to ban ducks um it has not been as efficient as most years because we're setting up the traps we're running the station we're banning the birds alone for the most part just to reduce people's exposure um we did not conduct any canada goose banding this year because that's in you know normally in june we use a lot of volunteers we bring kids out it's a big to do and none of that happened um so unfortunately we're gonna we're gonna miss out on some of the data there but we were fortunate in that we are we are getting at least a percentage of our mallard bands out there which is our which is our big driver obviously for a lot of this uh, harvest modeling and uh you know as a side note I, as part of my duties i also banned uh morning doves for the state and I helped run that program and we did manage to get out and get our morning doves banded this year too which was looking kind of iffy at first but we did we did manage to get out and get that done so we're making we're making the best of what we can with the situation what about the your wildlife management areas and what about national wildlife refuges are they back up and running or at least are they going to be open and accessible for waterfowl hunting waterfowl viewing and other recreational opportunities this fall yeah, they are. And it's it's a mixed bag so that some of the federal refuges, you know, there's some of them have a robust hunting programs with check-in, check-out stations, that kind of stuff. And they're still trying to figure out what that's going to look like. But at least in eastern Washington, I work with those refuges a fair amount. And they, 
they're trying really hard to accommodate the hunter while maintaining sort of the social distancing and the safety protocols. So they will be up and running in some form or another. It may just not look like it has. Uh, on the state side, our wildlife areas, you know, they were able to get back to work a little earlier than than other people because, you know, frankly, a lot of them work, you know, two of them show up and then one drives a tractor and one does the other thing. And they're, they're doing their work mostly independently. So they've been out on the ground prepping sites, getting ready for the season, getting water on the landscape. So yeah, they, they really worked hard to, to make that happen because they, you know, nobody was out there for a month, a month and a half. So they're, they're playing a little bit of catch up, but they're, they're doing a pretty good job to get us where we need to be for the, for the season opener. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, I, we've heard from other parts of the country, how uh, fishing licenses have the fishing license sales have spiked this summer because, you know, there's a lot of other things that people can't do. So people are reconnecting with the out of doors. They're reconnecting with fishing, I think many of us in this, in the conservation and hunting organizations are expecting uh, an uptick in hunting participation this fall across the board. And so it's, and I would imagine that you've kind of heard some of those same, uh, those same stories. And I would imagine that y'all are kind of expecting, maybe hoping for an, an increase in participation, get some people back involved in these opportunities uh, and so it's good to hear that the WMAs are going to be available and certainly will be cheering for the National Wildlife Refuges to, uh, to, to get themselves in a place where they can host hunters and, and viewers and, and anyone else that, that wants to enjoy uh, the outdoors however they, uh, they choose. So uh, certainly it's, it's getting to be an exciting time of the year, though, with the weather. At least I, I'm not as familiar with all of your weather patterns seasonally out west. I know it's probably different from one side of the, that Cascade Mountain Range to the other. But uh, nevertheless, it's an exciting time of year when we have migrant birds coming down to, to visit us seasonally. And, and so encourage people to get out and um, avail themselves to, to that resource. Uh, let's see, Matt. Anything else that you wanted to share with your waterfowl, uh, your your waterfowl hunters, or your other you know, you know recreational natural resource constituents there in the state of Washington with regard to waterfowl resource and any anything else uh, maybe maybe you'd want to share? Yeah, I, I think just speaking to what you were saying is that you know as it, it's been incredibly busy in our in our natural resource environment. Uh, as, as you said, people are getting out. So I'm, I'm telling people I talk to who hunt in Washington, you know, I'm getting phone calls now, you know, where can I go? What's it look like? I'm getting several of those every day. And I, I tell everyone I talk to, I'm like, plan for bigger than normal crowds. Be patient and prepare to investigate the new areas. Seek out lower use areas. Maybe go to that place you've never gone to before that's the posted stamp on the map because where you usually go is probably going to have five to ten more cars there than it normally does. Um, so I want people to, you know, to keep in mind that we're, we're trying our best to uh, prepare for, for what's inevitably going to be a busy season. And while we're still, you know, hitting the high nineties here in Eastern Washington and even in Western Washington, currently they're quite warm right now. Um, we expect a pretty big change in the weather here come mid to late September. And, uh, yeah, we'll start seeing our big migrants coming in and our, uh, local birds will be flying around. So yeah, everyone's getting pretty excited for a, for a season and planning on a, on a busy one with all the people at, you know, reconnecting with the outdoors in a way we haven't seen in a long time. And, and Washington state has experienced a good uptick in license sales and turkey hunting and, you know, our 
big game seasons are starting and, and we're getting a lot of kids out there, which has been great. Um, we're trying to ramp up some of our recruitment for the young hunter or the inexperienced hunter, which has been fantastic in the state of Washington, as well as recruiting people who've never hunted before in their, you know, in their late 20s or early 30s and 40s and reactivating those people to come out and hunt. And maybe they've tried it and they've gotten away from it. And they're wanting to connect, but not be at your busy state park. And, and that's been very successful the last couple of years. And I expect that to grow this year too. So looking forward to that. One final question for you, Matt. When does the duck season open in Washington? Yeah, so the, the first day of duck season in Washington State this year is October 17th. Um, that is when we start to see the weather change and things start to cool down. And we run about 107 days right up till the end of January this year. So 107 days. A lot of the uh, hunters in the certainly Mississippi and Atlantic Flyway are very jealous of that fact, that is a topic that I know we're going to be discussing. We'll, we'll have to discuss at some point on this podcast. So very good. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Matt. I, I know a lot of people are excited about about the opportunity that this time of year gives us, certainly in 2020, more than many other recent years. And so thank you for giving, giving us an update on how things have unfolded there in Washington and what it is that you're looking forward to, uh, and just all sorts of other general information about waterfowl and the waterfowl resource there in your state. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate the opportunity. A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Matt Wilson, the statewide waterfowl specialist for Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. We certainly appreciate him spending the time with us here and sharing with us some knowledge about waterfowl in the state of Washington. It's a place that not a lot of people think about in terms of producing ducks, but they certainly do and can provide some good waterfowl hunting opportunities as well. We also thank our producer, Clay Baird, who does all the work behind the scenes to get these podcasts edited and out to you. And then, of course, you, the listener, you're the most important part of this venture. We thank you for your support, passion, and commitment to wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. <laughs>